everybody, welcome to episode 26 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Rappel, and with me, as always, is Collins Mullen. Hey, Collins! Hey, Chris! Good to be back. Yeah, definitely nice to be doing, like, a a regular episode after our marathon last time. (laughs) That was fun, that was fun, but, you know... Talking, talking about the new set for three hours can can definitely be tiring. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about it for another hour here, but, uh, you know, just an hour or so. Just normal episode. <laughs> um, heard it was uh, snowing pretty hard over there, huh? Yeah, so I'm over here in North Carolina, and last night the bottom dropped out, and uh, now <laughs> there's whiteness everywhere. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, I, North Carolina has kind of a... Tough time with snow. We don't really have the infrastructure for it, so uh, yeah. I guess stay safe. Stay inside, mostly. Yeah. Uh, I had a quick little trip to McDonald's this morning, though, in the snow, so, you know, no big deal. Just, uh... Yeah, stay full. Stay comfy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Uh, so today, we are going to mostly talk about standard bannings, what standard is probably going to look like, at least in the immediate future. You know, we're going to try to predict it, but who knows... It is the Wild West now. Um, and then we'll probably get into Limited some, because I, I think you've been playing mostly Limited, right? And and I've been playing mostly Limited, so... Yeah, I mean, as soon as the set dropped, I immediately queued up a draft, because I'm excited to start playing this new Limited format, because I'm going to Grand Prix Houston in a couple of weeks, and then this is going to be the format at the Pro Tour, so i got to prep for that. Oh yeah, that's true. This is your Pro Tour format, yeah, so no, no draft is wasted at this point. Right, right. Yeah, draft, 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 gotta go. <laughs> yeah, but first, I think uh, probably everybody would want us to talk about the fact that Attune with Ether, Rogue Refiner, Ramunap Ruins, and, you know, surprise mystery choice, Rampaging Ferocidon, <laughs> yeah. have all been banned in standard. How about that? That's kind of the big news of the week, I guess. I think everybody saw Attune and Rogue Refiner getting banned. That was, like, no big surprise. But, yeah, a lot of people did not see the Rampaging Ferocidon ban alongside Ramonet Bruins. That was kind of like a, a big question mark there for a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, mixed opinions on that from a lot of people that I've heard. Some people really don't like that, and they're like, why don't you just ban one thing and then just kind of see how it goes? But, honestly, I think this was like a super heads-up move by Wizards. I'm, like, very impressed that they pulled the trigger on that, and I think that it's actually an excellent idea. Yeah, I mean, I think the energy ban is definitely completely unsurprising, and these are pretty much the cards that everybody, you know, was... You know, if if I had to put money down on what would be banned, I would definitely have put it down on Natoon and Rogue Refiner. But yeah, the, especially that article by Ian Duke that went with it, I think was was pretty transparent, and I I really appreciated the the depth they went into to explain their reasoning, which I think they kind of had to, or there would have been an even louder outcry about, right. uh, yeah. you know, what are you doing to red? Yeah, and that the reasoning oh. that he gave for banning the red cards was pretty clear, and I think like an excellent reason to do so. Essentially, they had the the moto data of you know this is what the like the win percentage of each deck versus each particular deck looks like and they knew that so mono red like the format was like a two deck format almost it was teamer energy and mono red and 
Monored kind of existed despite Teamer Energy. And Teamer Energy had like a massive percentage of the field. So the fact that Monored was doing so well, kind of despite having a bad matchup in the Teamer Energy, yeah. I think said a lot. So Wizards was like, okay, well, what happens now if the Teamer Energy decks go away? This red deck is just going to run havoc on everything because the red deck had like 60% win rates against all of the other decks in the format. Um, right, right. Everything but Teamer, it just crushed mercilessly right um though to be fair and and the one thing you know i think those numbers may be a little bit misleading because every other deck in the field was tuned as as much as it could be to try to beat teamer energy which certainly leaves some percentage on the table uh, against mono red yeah yeah i mean the counter argument that i saw which was pretty good was that you know the decks that existed could only exist because of teamer and they were warped to do that. So, yep. you know, who knows what it would actually look like without Teamer because kind of like of both of the effects of Teamer. So, you know, I think that's a good yeah. point, but um, I'm definitely not, not sad to see this happen the way it did. No, and I, I think that they probably are not wrong that Red would have a very, you know, Red would be an extremely powerful deck and probably have an oversized share of the metagame. What's... Really interesting to me is the types of cards that get got banned this go round, because yeah. you know if we look at, you know, we have nine cards banned in standard in the past twelve months. Mm-hmm. In the decade before that, there were two cards banned, which were Jace the Mind Sculptor and Stoneforge Mystic, <laughs> uh, which are right. just you know two legacy staples, like two of the most important cards in legacy that are just completely overpowered and do do completely bonkers things. Um, before that, banned and standard, you know, were like affinity bannings. So for a long time, the only kinds of cards that were banned are, you know, individual cards that are just doing really disgusting things. There's a very different philosophy to these bannings here, which is sort of rather than tamping down on individual overpowered cards, they're trying to adjust unhealthy formats and and so i mean some of the cards that have been banned recently are you know probably just too powerful things like smuggler's copter and and emrakul the promised end are just incredibly powerful cards that individually were too good for the format but a lot of these things are just cards that are slightly overstated like just a little too efficient and most of them are creatures Attune with Ether is not, Ramunap Ruins is not, but these are really just cards that had, a you know, one too many lines of text. Like Rampaging Ferocidon just had a little too much text. Uh, Rogue Refiner just did a little too much when it comes into play to be an okay card. And these are not like, you know, they're powerful cards, but these are not, you know, Memory Jar. These are not Jace the Mind Sculptor. So, you know, I, I think it goes to show you know, some of the problems in Magic R&D over the past couple of years that hopefully this uh, play design team system that they've got set up is going to go a long way towards fixing. Right. Yeah, and then you, you mentioned a little bit how they, they were kind of, like, trying to fix the, like, the metagame a little bit. And I think that that's kind mm-hmm. of, like, the philosophy's changed in terms of why they're doing bannings. Like, in the past, they did bannings on particular cards that were too good. Yep. And, you know, they, they've still done a little bit of that. But in particular, I think that the, the the reason why they're doing the bannings has changed a little bit because 
the biggest complaints that we get about standard is that it's so stagnant. There's only a couple of decks that are viable. You know, that's that's the problem that a lot of people have with it, right? So I think that they're making these bannings in order to kind of fi fix that problem a little bit and kind of like appease the people who are, you know, complaining about how standard sucks right now because, you know, you can only really play teamer or moderate if you expect to have any success. And, you know, just the numbers of recent, like, standard tournaments and stuff has really kind of shown that something needs to change in standard for it to become a popular format again. Like, standard has been so stagnant in the past, like, even, like, year and a half that, like, standard yeah. numbers for, like, even just, like, on the local level, nobody wants to play standard anymore, so standard events don't even fire. And then when you get to, like, the open level or something, the the standard opens will pull, like, maybe 400 people, where the modern opens will pull probably, like, 800 people. And we, we definitely saw, like, all of these real impacts on tournament organizers where they kind of had to, like, pull a lot of standard events. We saw that from Star City Games where they just turned all their standard events into team open events because they knew that they would just, like, bring more people in. So right. because all of these factors were happening, in order for a standard to exist as a format that was popular enough to see competitive play, Wizards had to change something in terms of the metagame. So I think that that's kind of, like, you know, the biggest reason why they knew that they had to pull the trigger on these things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was having very visible results in the real world. And just, you know, the thing that I'm concerned about is that these are not individual screw-ups. Like, this has happened over and over and over, over, you know, over the course of the past year. And, you know, if you ask most people when the last time Standard was good, the most recent response you'll get is, like, well, right before Theros block rotated out of Standard or something like that. So, right. you know, it's it's been a really difficult couple of years and I don't know, like, I, I don't know how to diagnose the sort of core problem here. I mean, I think a big part of it is the, not necessarily the fact that creatures have been pushed, but sort of the way that they've been pushed. It's, it's kind of like, why would I ever play non-creature spells if I can just play creatures that do all the things that spells are supposed to do and also kill my opponent? <laughs> right. You know, why would I play counter spells when I can play Spell Queller? Why would I play Bounce Spells when I can play Reflector Mage? Why would I play Card Drawing when I can play Rogue Refiner? We've seen a lot of creatures get banned. Emrakul is a creature. Uh, Smuggler's Copter is effectively a creature. Reflector Mage is a creature. Two creatures banned in this one. And so, you know... Just hopefully we start seeing some new things because uh, this clearly is a, a systemic problem. Um, but I do have a lot of faith. You know, that play design team is a real thing. Like Melissa DeTora, Andrew Brown, Michael Majors, like those are, you know, smart people who have a lot of brewing ability and hopefully uh, are making a difference on the inside. And and probably this ban announcement, what they're doing now, you know, the fact that Rampaging Ferocidon bought it on this ban, I, I feel like that may be a re an early result of that sort of philosophy. So, you know, major fingers crossed here. Definitely. We, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what kind of happens with, like, the new things that people are churning out and the new sets and everything moving forward. Yeah. And we'll see if, you know, if Standard continues to exist in the way that it has before. Like, you know, Standard was 
Wizards format that they wanted to push, and they wanted all the Pro Tours to be standard and all of these things. Yeah. Um, and then the popularity of the format just kind of tanked. So, you know, now there's going to be a modern Pro Tour and then a team to- Pro Tour, and what's going to happen to standard? Who knows? I kind of had an interesting theory where, you know, because standard is, you know, was pretty bad, I, I felt like an alternative solution to bannings would could mm-hmm. have potentially been... All right, instead of playing standard for a little bit, we're going to play block constructed and yeah. do that until we feel like we've made enough sets that are going to be kind of like completely fresh standard. And I, I thought that that could be interesting, but I you know also knew that pulling the trigger on that would be almost impossible to see happen. But I don't know. It could have been fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it would have been what, like like announcing a PPTQ season is block constructed or that sort of thing. I, I guess that would, that's kind of the extent of control that Wizards, or I guess they could have a whole Pro Tour as block constructed if that's what they had really wanted to do. But yeah, that they, does require they some lead, done, up, lead you know, up time. And they've done that recently. They could have done like a yeah. um, block constructed Pro Tour and yeah, and RPTQs leading up to that are going to be block constructed. That would have been interesting at least. Yeah. Would have required a lot of... A lot of prep. <laughs> right. But I think that, you know, if if that is going to happen at some point in the future, it's not going to happen until after the, after like the, the team pro tour, right? When we don't have blocks anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. It would have to be something, you know, similar, I guess, but not exactly the same. I don't know. But a lot of, a lot of changes happening. Yeah. And I mean, we do have, you know, hopefully, we, there, there is a light on the horizon, which is that the, the play design team philosophy is hopefully like like i think they have their hands in like the next set coming out in dominaria so yeah we'll see and i i am cautiously optimistic but it it has been a long road getting here like i have you know i have a a play set of smugglers copters and a play set of etherworks marvels in my in a box i have a teamer energy deck and a mono red deck in my backpack and, and a teamer energy deck and a mono red deck online. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a tough, <laughs> tough 12 months. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, I've been trying to play the best decks, you know, I want to play weird brews, but I'm trying to, you know, be a good magician and, and right. <laughs> that's tough these days. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you know, this is kind of like what happens whenever you, you know, yep. you're, you're invested in standard and you own a tier one deck is that, or just kind of in any format, really. Sometimes it's just going to yeah. get banned. It's just very possible. Right. It's just up until the past year or so in Standard that that really wasn't a concern. And now it's, you know, kind of omnipresent over the format. But right, we'll see. So given these changes, I guess we should do our best to try to predict at least a little bit of what's going to happen to the new metagame. But yeah, so some of the most important cards got banned and we get a whole new set. So it's it's definitely the Wild West out there. I think, you know, one place to start is trying to think through whether either of these decks uh, actually still exists in any form a- after the banning and what, what sort of form they would take. You know, the announcement made it clear that the choice of cards they banned was an attempt to maintain the mono red deck in at least some form, just not with the insane reach of the Raminep Ruins and total uh, resilience against all sorts of go-wide or life-gain strategies that, that Ferocidon gave it. So, I mean, are we thinking that mono red is still a thing after these bans? Um, there will be some sort of red aggressive deck, for sure. But I I don't know if it'll have the power level that it had before. 
it'll it, it'll at least lose a lot of equity in like control matchups and um, other matchups where Ferocidon in particular really you know short things up. Um, and those yeah. matchups are like the the tokens deck and like it in in a, in a lot of ways the uh, uh, Godfarer's gift deck. I think that it met, its matchup kind of against the field gets much worse without Ferocidon. Because people were picking up on the fact that, you know, sometimes you just wanted to have, like, three or four Frostons in your main deck. Like, that's how good the card was. Yeah, I was I was up to the playset of in my main deck last time I was playing the deck. I, I think yeah. it, it it just solved all of your problems. Right. So pr- so now all those problems are back on the table, right? So, so we'll see. I think that there will be some aggressive deck. I don't know if it's going to move towards, like, a Mardu shell again. Uh, like kind of like a Heart of Kieran Toolcraft Exemplar deck because Hazard of the Fervent is too powerful not to find some sort of home, right? I agree. Uh, yeah, that card is just gonna be really, really good in the format. So I, I definitely think that Mono Red will still exist to some extent, and I also think that some sort of energy deck will still be decent. Looking at the most recent five O's. So Mason Clark 5-0'd with essentially what looks exactly like Teamer Energy, except for now it's playing 24 lands, and instead of Rogue Refiner, it's playing Jade Light Ranger. But all the other cards are pretty much exactly the same. It still has like a Confiscation Coup in the main, and Harness Lightnings, and Bristling Hydra, and Glory Bringer, and Long Tusk Cub, and Whirler Virtuosos, and Chandras. Like, the, the deck is the same... Except for in in the three drop slot, it, now it's playing Jade Light Ranger, which is the double explore Merfolk dude. Like right off the bat, we we see, you know, a deck having success that's pretty similar. Uh, whether or not that this will like continue and like turn into some sort of archetype that we see a lot of is kind of a different question. But right, because it is still operating off of sort of a mostly tuned shell, where a lot of the new decks are still figuring out actually which cards are good and which cards are not good. Right. Um, Although, not having... You know, you just have a lot less energy now. With no Rogue Refiner and no Attune with Ether. Just the, the free energy that you get isn't there anymore. Also, the free... The almost completely free mana fixing that you get isn't there anymore either. So, I think, like, with both of these decks, it was kind of invisible how much the, the banned cards added to their power level. I mean, Rogue Refiner less so. But it was more like... A lot of games with red, I would lose and be like, man, I just couldn't quite get there. What the heck happened? And then I'd realize that I have six mountains in play, and that's why I just couldn't deal enough damage. Or with, with team or energy, like my my mana didn't work out, or I just like kind of stumbled and didn't play the right spell at the right time, and it was because I didn't have an early attune, and I never drew any rogue refiners, and my deck was just worse. So, you know, your cards are still pretty good, but... Just everything works together a little less well now. So both of these... I think they could definitely exist, but at least there's some room for other other cards to be good. Yeah, I mean, you know, Attune with Aether made a huge difference on, like, how well your deck played out, honestly. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, whenever I'm playing in a teamer mirror and I had an Attune on turn one and my opponent didn't, or they did, you and, so and ahead. I didn't, yeah, yeah the, the win percentages must have been, like, 65% in favor of the the person who leads on a tune. Like, having the extra energy for free is ridiculous. And just, like, you get to cast your Chandra when you want to cast your Chandra, and, yeah, it's it's really good. So one, one interesting thing that that does, uh, by taking away those two really powerful green cards, it 
sort of, if you want to use these energy mechanic cards, it kind of removes that requirement that you play green. Because when you were brewing with energy before, it kind of started with, well, I have to play Rogue Refiner because it's broken, and I'm yeah. definitely going to play a tune because it's just so free to do that. Right. And then you kind of built your deck around those things. But now, you know, things like, like Grixis are much more defensible because you're not playing the the completely busted cards right right you right. can't play the busted cards you can still play world of virtuoso but you don't have to stretch your mana base or whatever too hard you can just play grixis shell and have that work out right most of the time right and and that's one that i've seen i haven't played any standard uh after the bands but i've been i've kept a uh some twitch streams open and i've seen quite a bit of grixis midrange right now uh and that seems to be a popular place for these energy cards to settle down um it helps that scarab god is this yeah the scarab god is is kind of like a big deal now where it's kind of like the one card that like one one powerhouse of the format that didn't really get touched as much right so it's just yeah. going to continue to kind of be dominant and yeah there there's people have been talking about this grixis deck kind of similar to what brendan decandio was messing around with for a little bit it's like playing Glint Sleeve Siphoners almost is kind of like a fair card and still has some Glory Bringers and Chandras and Scarab Gods uh, and Whirler Virtuosos. But now we kind of like get to play around with kind of like a Ravenous Chupacabras or something, if that's something mm-hmm. that we want to have access to. I've seen lists that go bigger with like Gear Hulks and like Glimmer and stuff like that to really like win these mid-range mirrors. So there's, you know, there's definitely still space for a mid-range deck to thrive, I think, which is pretty good to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One other, and I guess this might not even be really the mid-range territory anymore, but kind of one of the more aggressive decks is that I think uh, green-black might be coming back a little bit because it, it gets to play sort of the Rogue Refiner replacement in Jade Light Ranger. Yeah you know it has the best jade light rangers because you can follow constrictor up with them and yeah 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 i think that some sort of winding constrictor deck is is definitely going to be very solid yeah i mean fewer glory bringers and chandras in the format means that the the kinds of cards that black green that are good in black green become better cards so i'm definitely interested in in like gear hulk decks verder's gear hulk decks going forward i think that could be a cool thing um, and I'm also kind of excited to see if any tribal decks really have a big impact on the format. I've got high hopes in this Merfolk deck that people seem to be running a little bit of. We saw a Merfolk deck 5-0 kind of like back even before the stuff got banned on Magic Online. So that was yeah. kind of promising. And then, you know, I've also seen like a lot of dinosaur decks kind of being thrown around a little bit. Uh, one of them ended up 5-0-ing with a full four Galta Primal Hungers. <laughs> yeah, I think it crazy. turns out that that card might be good. I think I'm, we might have just been off on that one. Yeah, so, you know, I think that the the illustrated curve of, like, Drover of the Mighty into Ripjaw Raptor into Galta is just, you know, very real. That could be interesting. The problem is, I don't see how any dinosaur deck ever beats an approach deck. Because this deck just seems so bricked by things like fumigate and settle the wreckage and approaches the win con um yeah so that's kind of like my concern with the with these like creature tribal decks 
is that they're just going to get beat up on too much by whatever the control decks are, and they'd really need something good to be able to combat that. Uh, Merfolk is going to have access to blue sideboard cards, which is always important, and will probably do really well for them. But the the dinosaur decks just really don't have access to much of anything along those lines. Like, you can bring in Heroic Intervention for Fumigate, but you're still going to have to worry about Settle the Wreckage, and, you know, that's a card that you can play around, but you do lose equity playing around it a little bit sometimes. We'll see We'll see how the Dinosaurs decks do. Yeah, I mean, and, like, this is not... This is certainly not the... where it's going to end up. I mean, this is... This is a sweet deck, but this is just, you know, 11 two-mana ramp spells, and then some play sets of Ripjaw Raptors, Regisaur Alphas, <laughs> Death Gorge Scavengers, and Carnage Tyrants, and Galta Primal Hunger. Like, yes, lots of powerful cards, but, right, I think clearly it's planning on not running into Fumigates and not getting too many, like, Vraska's Contempts aimed at its payoff guys. So... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you get fumigated and then you're trying to rip some powerful spell and you end up drawing, like, a Galta that you're miles away from casting... It's right, that's your be. that's your haymaker, and it, it doesn't work at all when things are going badly. It only works when things are going well. Which, you know, clearly that is good enough to get there sometimes. Um, right. But Yeah, I, I'm concerned that this card is going to have the... Wow, when I'm winning with it, it feels really good because I'm curving yeah. into it and it feels unstoppable and my opponent can't do anything about it but i feel like that might be one of those like cognitive bias scenarios where you it feels so much better when you win with it than it does when you're losing because of it so it'd be kind of an interesting thing to keep an eye on maybe i feel like every time i lose with a 12 drop in my hand that i just can't cast on an empty board late in the game i i think that would sear itself into my brain (laughs) yeah you know definitely a little bit of that but yeah Probably a deck like this ends up... See, and, and I don't even know... Like, Galta probably affects how you board and and build in a pretty fundamental way. Because, like, one of the things that I would think to do with a deck like this is maybe, you know, cut some creatures and run, uh, you know, some number of Chandra's main deck yeah. to, to shore it up for that sort of matchup. But, but then that, even do that takes away your galta curve right right yeah maybe some sort of some amount of like chandra's in the sideboard is probably good but yeah if if galta is a big part of your game plan you need to have bodies on the board and anybody who's going to be kind of like aware that that's the case is just going to be aggressively using their removal spells on your you know your drover of the mighties and stuff like that and any sort of deck like you know if we go back and look at the like this grixis midrange deck i feel like this grixis midrange deck is just going to beat up on the dinosaur decks so often like the one card that they'd probably struggle with is carnage tyrant but everything else they have so many good answers for like say you say you've got the curve you do it you curve out and then on turn four you play galta and you're feeling really good about it and then your opponent just like chupacabras it and you're like oh yeah okay cool like come on man (laughs) yeah and even even carnage tyrant like Unless you are really pressuring their life total, like that kind of gets trumped by the Scarab God in, in medium length games. So, right. You know, I don't think it's that reliable of a threat necessarily. Especially if they Chupacabra your Galta. And that, or I guess Scarab God makes you a 4 4 Galta, so that's fine. That's not that big of a disaster. But I, I, I'm not totally sold on dinosaurs yet. Like, I remember when Ixalan first came out, there was like 
one or two dinosaur decks that 5-0'd early leagues, and then they just disappeared completely. Um, and I'm not totally sold on the idea that that's not going to happen again yeah here. yeah that's kind of where i'm sitting i think at the moment i, I mean the the place where i probably want to be right now is pretty much gear hulks and scarab gods i I'm, I'm down with removal and just like scarab god is a proven powerful card and that's probably what i what i'm most interested right. in playing right now yeah i think that a, a starting point like if i if i said that i needed to start somewhere for standard because i had a tournament coming up i would probably queue up some sort of Grixis midrange deck and, and see how it played out. Yeah. And then you kind of get to decide where you, you go from there. Do you want to go a little smaller? Do you want to go a little bigger? Do you want to go all the way up to approach, given what you've seen? And, and you can sort of make a call from there. Right, right, for sure. One deck that has actually seemed pretty decent to me, and I, I played against it a little bit before the bans with Teamer, is people started playing the, you know, a, a tokens vampire deck. And it oh, seemed yeah, sure. pretty strong. Radiant Destiny is very good, especially when you flipped Legion's Landing. Like at one point, I had three Glory Bringers in play, but he had a flip Legion's Landing and and two Anthems, and he just you know drew a little bit, very slightly better than me, and it was enough to overpower three Glory Bringers just because right. the lifelink and stuff meant I couldn't kill him in time. And th- these are pretty powerful cards and even in the games that i played against them they never played a turn to adonto vanguard and it's they still were you know pretty tough matchups for a fully powered teamer deck so i i'm definitely interested i think the deck is pretty strong i do think it's it's very vulnerable to fumigate sort of decks yeah i i I think that another place to to definitely look pretty hard is is fumigate right now not that i would do that or feel comfortable playing some sort of fumigate deck but i know that a lot of players out there love playing some standard control and (laughs) it honestly seems pretty well positioned at the moment just because of the number of like creature tribal decks that people are throwing out there they probably have a pretty good just a pretty good angle on the metagame right now so right and i think baffling end is a pretty huge addition to those decks you know lets you deal with really awkward things like glint sleeve siphoner that you just had a, a rough time with before so i'd i'd be more inclined to try a deck like that now that that baffling end is is part of the 75 part of the 60 i assume remind me which card baffling end is that's the the new silk wrap oh they yeah get yeah. a three three dinosaur if it dies yeah, yeah that that card is definitely really good at cleaning up just kind of like you know like a two mana removal spell on the early creatures is something that the deck kind of has always wanted a little bit yeah so it's good that they've got access to something like the the blue white versions in particular right 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 yeah and i I do think fatal push is pretty good right now so that's another one of the reasons why those those grixis mid-range decks are nice is you get a a good early tempo advantage when you fatal push a two drops so right yeah so i you know we can talk about standard but hard to see how it plays out until we get some more results so those are kind of the predictions that we've got but what what i've actually been playing a lot of is limited um and i assume you have too since you've been prepping for uh gp coming up yes i i've been playing a, a good amount of this limited format so far i played the kind of pre pre-release i guess whatever it was called on magic online when it was out for mm-hmm. like 24 hours before the pre-release yeah yeah, um, I missed I missed out on that unfortunately, but and that kind of like initially gave me a, a good impression of kind of what the sealed format looked like. I 
was very impressed by how many two drops existed in the new set in particular yeah, that was like the Lord. that was like the first thing that really jumped out at me there was like a bunch of really good common two drops in all colors it felt like and they were all like impossible to block which was really strange uh, <laughs> there was there's like the menace red two drop and there's the flying blue two drop when it attacks and then there's the yeah, green. only when it attacks though you wouldn't want to have anybody capable of blocking flyers oh yeah three. no we don't we don't want anybody blocking in this format don't be ridiculous um <laughs> Yeah, and then there's like the the green two two that has two extra toughness on when it's your turn. So if it's attacking, it's a yep. two four. Also impro- impossible to block in the early turns. So it seems like they're like <laughs> really pushing. Nobody blocks in the first couple of turns. So that kind of right. puts this like really interesting spin on how the format plays out, because not only are they pushing the two drops in such a way that they don't want those two drops to be trading in the early turns. But people are also, in general, disincentivized to trade their two drops because you really want to hit 10 permanents in a lot of decks. So if you're trading off of two drops, then that's just like one less permanent that you have now. If you don't trade and you start racing, you know, that's the best way to ascend, right? And that just kind of turns everything into this weird racing situation that it feels like the format has kind of devolved into, which is... I think like a really fundamental piece of this limited format that's that's pretty interesting to look at. Yeah, one one thing that has been a little unfortunate to me is that ascend the way it plays out, it is a little easier to ascend than you you kind of think looking at it. And I, I, that racing thing may be part of it. I hadn't quite you know thought of it that way. But one of the problems with it is that if one player stumbles and falls behind, then ascend, you know, if it's relevant in that game, really punishes that player because their cards are if you've got any ascend cards they don't work you know i i've i've been looking at like vona's hunger in my hand and i really needed it to kill two creatures but i had stumbled on mana and not made a guy when i needed to and it like right. just could never catch up so that's a little unfortunate i think that part of that like so the decks that i've had success with have been like relatively low curve decks yeah that are just really prioritizing putting bodies on the board as frequently as possible, both in order to race and hit ascend as soon as you can. And I have, you know, drafted and built sealed decks that are like a little more three and four drop oriented, where like I had mm-hmm. a lot of really powerful three and four drop cards, but it just got to the point where I could only like do one thing a turn no matter what. And if I ever stumbled on mana, it was just over. And yeah, if I even if I didn't stumble on mana and I hit like my fifth land drop, then I was just like you know playing a four drop or a five drop every turn. And honestly, given how evasive all of the like the low curve dudes were, if my opponent ever had like a lower curve, I just couldn't keep up. So I think that that's definitely like a defining characteristic of where you want to be in this format is when you're deck building, you really have to pay close attention to whether or not your deck is too clunky. And I don't think that you can really afford to do that at all. And I think that. You're also disincentivized to play all of these, like, big fat creatures because by looking at, like, the removal suite in the new format, if you take a look at, like, all of these common four-mana kill-a-thing cards that exist now, there's so many of them. It's crazy. There's, like, the new white three-mana arrest. There's four-mana destroy creature sorcery in black. 
Um, yep. Three mana, these deal things. four damage to a creature. Yeah. Yep. So if you're playing like a really low to the ground, like evasive strategy, then, you know, your opponent's going to be spending these cards on killing your like three drops or two drops or something. But if you're if you're just like trying to really play big stuff, then your opponent's like very excited and they're like, yeah, I'm going to kill your 6-6 six, six trample dinosaur and continue attacking you. So you really got to kind of be aware that that's like how things are playing out right now. Yeah, the best couple of decks that I've had that I've drafted so far have been capable of like mostly ignoring a lot of my opponent's possible plays. So you know the the two kind of extremes that that I've drafted. There was uh, one blue red pirates deck that was just very very aggressive. I like three one drops and a bunch of two drops and some enchant creatures and that sort of thing. Yeah. So when my opponent spent their fourth turn either casting uh the vampire from original exile it's a three two that makes a one one mm-hmm. or impaling one of my two drops like i just didn't care that that was happening because it wasn't keeping up with what i was doing right uh on the far other end of the spectrum was like a white black vampires deck that the win condition was basically deathless ancient and just like flooding the board and had enough flyers and, and blockers and stuff and lots of cheap things like moment of craving that you know, make sure that you don't get run over and then tokens and that sort of thing so that no matter how wide they go, you're going to be able to block. And then that, you know, if they were playing anything that wasn't immediately dealing a bunch of damage to me, I just didn't care what it was because either I was going to hit it with a removal spell or it just didn't matter on the clogged up board that we had. And, and, And I've been on the opposite part the opposite side of that is like i've been looking at four drops in my hand and thinking geez i just none of these do anything yeah uh, whether yeah. my opponent was very aggressive or very controlling so yeah I, I i do not like most four drops in this format yeah for sure yeah and when i've been drafting i've been like looking at like a like a, a good evasive two drop versus like like an uncommon powerful four drop and i'm just taking the two drop every time it's crazy i would rather just like play combat tricks and low mana creatures and just you know like have the evasion or whatever to be able to like really put the pressure on my opponent the one deck that was not doing that that really impressed me was a dinosaur deck that consisted of the one three that searches your library for a dinosaur puts it on top of your library and then also says whenever a dinosaur enters the battlefield, deal one damage to all creatures. Yeah, that card is very good. That card is nuts. Because yeah. not only does the trigger often, like, kill a lot of your opponent's creatures if they're on, like, the evasive plan, but, like, triggering all of your enrage effects if you have been drafting those cards is super powerful. Like, if you've got that guy in your deck, the one three for 4 that searches your library, and then you also have, like, the 4-mana 2-2 two, two that deals five with Enrage, deals five to any target creature whenever Enrages. Yep. I was playing one of these like really low to the ground decks and then my opponent, and so I had like a couple of like the two one flyers when they attack and then one like bigger dude, right? Then he played the one three and he searched his library for the two two that Enrages and deals five to something, puts it on top of his <laughs> library. Just, and then I look at my board did you? and I know that my board <laughs> is just going to be gone next turn. <laughs> God. It, all of my guys are going to die. And he's going to kill my biggest dude with his enrage trigger. And then he's got these two dudes on the port. And I was like, wow, this is like, re- you know, really tech for being really, really good against what I believe to be the best strategy in the format. So that's also something to kind of keep an eye out for 
which is good because I think without something like that, I think that the dinosaur decks is just never gonna really gonna be able to compete too much with the more evasive strategies. And that's that's definitely one thing that I've noticed is that these aggressive strategies, the one big weakness that they have is that their cheap creatures almost all have one toughness. Right. So the Fanatical Firebrand, Grog Fanatic, as I've heard him called, as well as like Dual Shot from Pack Three. Like oh, these yeah. are just good cards. Yeah, yeah. Dual Shot is insane now, so pick it accordingly. Yeah, I, I remember I was drafting like a red deck, and then Pack Three, I opened like a like a decent like red creature, and then there was a Dual Shot, and I just was like, whoa, this Dual Shot's gonna be really good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, this still exists. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, over the course of the draft, I, like, definitely two for one my opponents a couple times with the dual shot. It was just like, all right, we're racing, and you've got two two ones, and now they're gone. And I'm going to play another yeah, dude. It's That's gross. Like, like two for one in cards, four for one mana advantage. Right, attacking for four. Not, okay, not winnable. On. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty great. So, yeah, I think that those kind of, like, are my initial impressions of the format. Feels very aggressive. But uh, at the same time, you, when you're drafting your aggressive deck, you need to be sure that you're not going to just be bricked by a 2-3. I definitely kind of made that mistake in a sealed recently where... And you, you definitely have less control over it in sealed, but I built my sealed deck just kind of like with a good curve because I was prioritizing that a lot, and I had like a bunch of 2-2s two for 2, and I wanted to make sure I didn't really fall behind. But my deck didn't really have any ways of getting through too much. I had like a couple of removal spells, but not really any like tricks or anything like that because I was black green and I just like didn't happen to open any in those format in those colors. So if you're playing decks that aren't really as evasive, but you still want to be aggressive, just make sure that you prioritize ways of getting through big blockers. My favorite way of doing that is with combat tricks. But you can also have, you know, just like lower the curve removal spells or something like that. Um, you just make need to make sure that your opponent doesn't play a 2-3 and then you look at your board of 2-2s and go, oh, okay. I guess I'm going to... Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons that the green aggressive decks have not really impressed me very much. Yeah. Because their 2-drop, like the 2-4 is difficult to block early, but then it just doesn't attack very well a, a couple of turns in. And then it doesn't really do anything on on defense, and that it it's I think that that green two drop that's a two four on your turn is a huge downgrade from the two one menace or the two one especially the two one flying while attacking. Oh, for sure, for sure. So yeah, so the the green aggressive decks have just seemed not very powerful to me. I haven't seen many like green blue merfolk decks, and that may be the only. Uh, aggressive green deck that ends up working out because i assume that's still good I, the, if as long as you can make the three mana two two that makes a one one hexproof token as long as you have ways of making that a good card then green probably has some decent board flooding attacking strategy but the only green decks that i've been impressed with have been not only rampy dinosaur decks but rampy dinosaur decks with a a particular plan against the aggressive decks and that that yeah. red forerunner i think is a big part of that yeah i feel like yeah if you've got the red forerunner or the deal one damage to everything draw card sorcery or instant mm -hmm. or whatever it is or if you're like a a red white version i was actually really impressed with the rare that the enchantment rare that's red white 
that it comes into play and deals one damage to everything and then has like weird text about if you attack with two creatures with yes. a couple of keywords or something it flips um do you remember that card it was like one of the goofier ones we talked about like path of metal yes i think it's yeah, called yeah 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 um i was actually really impressed by that card out of a red white opponent because again i was on like a bunch of x ones or whatever so it killed a bunch of my creatures and then he also just like happened to have some like hasty dinosaurs or something that he attacked with the next turn and i just it was pretty much immediately dead to that which was interesting yeah once that's flipped that's that's pretty gross right um and yeah, yeah, the comes into play effect is definitely, definitely very relevant because menace is not one of the keywords listed on it, so uh, it right, kills right. most of the important one toughness guys. Yeah, so that you know, pretty interesting there. Any effect that deals one to everything, I think, is 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 pretty strong in this format. Uh, but I think yep. I should point out that some of this might be pretty biased because of my preference towards these aggressive strategies. But I do think that a lot of other people are going to recognize those as very powerful as well. So right. I don't think that it's too strange to call out that. I mean, from, you know, I've played four drafts and a couple of seals so far. And just the, the evasive two drop into like other aggressive stuff backing it up is just a very big part of the format. So I, I definitely don't think that your bias is making a, a big difference at least compared to my experience gotcha um you know one other good way to fight these aggressive decks is you know all of their two drops and stuff and their enchant creatures are really bad at blocking so if you can turn the tables on them you can usually end the game pretty quickly and one really good way to do that is with lifelink so uh squires um whatever it's called the new mark of the vampire the white one uh, is is really good you know it's 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 maybe not quite as powerful as i probably thought on my initial evaluation of it because there's a fair amount of bounce in the format uh and so a, a lot of times you'll only get like one attack in but a lot of times if you put it on a reasonable guy that's all you need and uh so i've been pretty impressed with that card and it's a good way of not having to do exactly the same thing not having to just hope that your evasive 2-1 plan is better than theirs if you can lifelink up a guy and get a token then often you can ride that to victory hey everyone so unfortunately due to inclement weather it looks like collins has dropped off of the call uh i think that the snow has knocked out his power and unfortunately we will not be able to record any more for this episode but please come and join us next week we will be talking more limited we'll finish this conversation because we'll both have a limited gp coming right up and i'm sure that there will be plenty of standard results and lots of super interesting things to talk about so sorry about that but we will be back next week, and thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you want to catch us outside of the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at, at MTG underscore Grindcast, and Collins is at Collins Mullen. You can also find his articles on StarCityGames.com, and you can find my videos. If you just Google CCR Plays Magic, that's probably the easiest way for you to find me, uh, kind of vlogging about some of the stuff that I'm doing in Germany, and pretty soon there will be a GP London vlog up, hopefully. So, you know, check it out. Thank you guys again for listening, and have a great week. <laughs>